The reading is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, folks. Do uh, take a seat. We're going to look at that um, passage in just a second. Um, Who... Am I? Who am I? Uh, from time to time, there is uh, somebody will come um, to the church or to uh, the office and ask if they can see the Indian priest. Um, the Indian priest is me. <laughs> uh, or uh, it's, um, it, 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 I'm very fond of it. Um, they, they ask, um, it, uh, uh, it kind of packs quite a lot in. It is a way of saying um, who I am or of, of trying to indicate who I am. There are, we can do that in lots of different ways. And we can all do that in lots of different ways, I imagine. There are some different categories, some different ways of thinking about who I am. And I could tell you um, some, some sort of different uh, things about me through some different lenses. And here they are. So I could tell you from the point of view of my job, um, I am a priest in the Church of England. I wasn't always. Uh, I did other things. I've had other jobs. But I am now uh, a priest in the Church of England. Um, I could tell you through the, the lens, the box of, of race, I am mixed race. I'm actually not Indian, as it happens. Um, I am mixed race, but I do have a blended heritage. I could tell you uh, from the perspective of my family, uh, my background is really very different to where I've ended up, and I often sense that. I could tell you from the perspective of school, um, I went from quite a challenging, uh, comprehensive school to um, Oxford University, and the journey from one to the other has often, I feel, defined me in good and bad ways. I could tell you from the perspective of place, I don't really have a very strong sense of place, as it happens. I, I think I know this in myself. I'm married to Caroline, uh, who you might know is from Northern Ireland, where there is quite a rich and deep sense of place. Uh, and I think I sense that I don't have that in quite the same way. And I could tell you from the perspective of, of story, the the, we all often have a, a narrative, a story that we tell ourselves. Uh, perhaps it's been formed over time with our, our experiences, our upbringing, whatever it might be. There's a story we tell ourselves. When I was 17, um, I was going for an interview. Um, I prepared some materials in advance, and they'd had a look at them, and then uh, I, I sat in the interview, and they asked questions. And then afterwards, they did a debrief. And an older gentleman looked across at the table and sort of looked down at me and said, Well, Paul, you are better on paper than you are in person. 
And it's, uh, it's, always, it's always stated that there's, there's some truth in this. It's interesting. Um, we can do that. And I imagine there are lots of ways that you could do that. I wonder if you might just turn to the person next to you for one minute. Which of these boxes, these categories, would be your go-to? Which one or more would be? What, what is it when someone says, who are you? Instinctively, we might gravitate to one of them. Take a minute with somebody nearby. Where would you gravitate? What would you say? Which one of those categories? Okay, um, I'm going to interrupt you. Maybe you have learnt something about somebody nearby. Maybe you've learnt something about yourself and your sort of reflexes where you go to naturally in describing who you are. It is such a vital question. We've seen um, over these past weeks, looking at Genesis 1, we're here again, three key questions that we've been asking. Who is God? What is our world? Who am I? And we said, Tim said at the very start, a couple of weeks ago, that actually how you answer one of those questions affects your thinking on the others. They, re- they interrelate. And we're asking this morning, who am I? And it's a vital question. And if you are here and our pathfinders are uh, hanging out with us um, during the sermon over here, and you might be a platformer here, uh, one of our teenagers, um, uh, you might be a student here. That question, who am I, it's, like, it's really the question that you will be asking underneath everything else. And to be honest, if the rest of us older here would admit it, it's a question that kind of stays with us all our lives. Who am I? But if you're younger, it's, 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 a, it's a forge you're in, trying to figure that out. Um, it's a key question, and a key answer comes in this chapter, in verses 26 and 27, when we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We get this biblical answer, comes back to us in Genesis 1. We are made in the image of God. Now, what does that mean? I think the first thing we have to acknowledge right at the start is that Genesis 1 really doesn't define what that is. It tells us we're made in the image of God. It doesn't define it. Doesn't say, now let me unpack for you exactly what the image of God is, in case you were wondering. But it states that we are made in God's image, but it doesn't uh, define it. I think it's important to say that at the start because what we can say at least is that it relates to the whole of a person. He created uh, humanity in his image, it relates to the whole of a person. But it's not saying it's one particular feature. And the reason I think it's important to, to note that at the start is because. Often what will happen is at the start, we'll come to this, and then whatever cultural assumptions we have will shape what we think the image of God must be. So if we come from a culture where brains are valued highly, rationality, or we'll say, well, of course, what makes us in the image of God is that we, are, uh, we think, we, we have brains, we're, we're, we have this kind of deeper consciousness. Whereas if we come from a culture where Love, or the capacity for relationships, is valued and prized. We say, well, of course, to be in the image of God is our capacity for relationships. It's our ability to love. And you see, we come with a lens, a focus. And I don't think Genesis, or the writer of Genesis 1, is telling us those things. What we're going to try and do, um, in a sort of limited way, if I can, is look at how this particular key moment fits into chapter 1, fits into the story the writer has been telling us, to see if we can learn from that what we can kind of understand about God's image uh, and not, uh, hopefully, try, try to sort of keep in mind that we do bring a lot to this conversation. We have a lot of immediate assumptions about what it must mean to be made in the image of God. We're going to look at three things, and the first of those is that what does it mean to be in the image of God, God's image? It makes us unique. 
It makes us unique. It makes us special. Now, on the one hand, this, uh, we, we are in the sweep of this chapter, uh, of these um, uh, unfolding uh, story of God making everything, and there is a lot of continuity with the rest of creation. We are like lots that has come before. And in fact, we're still, we're still in the, uh, the sixth day. This is the sixth day. We fit into one of the days. Um, and do you remember what we saw, um, Richard talked to us about last week, about the pairs of days that come along? And so God creates habitats um, in each uh, of the first three days, and then he fills them appropriately um, in, the, in the three days that follow. And we are day six, and we are part of that filling. And so when we are told to fill the earth, that has also already been said to other creatures in verse 22. They were told to fill the earth. So there's a continuity. We are like much of what has gone before. And so we are intimately connected to the creation. We're not some great separate thing in that sense. We come, we, we're, we're intimately bound up with and, and are connected to the rest of creation. It is said sometimes, is it not, that dogs look like their owners. You come across that idea? Uh, a good example here. Um, uh, um, and another one. Um, uh, and another, because I really enjoy these. So, <laughs> um, they're just good fun. The, the idea that dogs look like their owners. Um, now, maybe that shouldn't surprise us. Maybe it shouldn't surprise us that dogs look like their owners. There is, in a sense, there's a continuity. There's a connection that we have with creation. Um, there are many more out there. They're good fun. I enjoy what I can. But, 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 there is something new here in this chapter at this point. There is something that changes when it comes to humanity in verse 26. Um, and he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We are, in, in, in day six here, um, the pinnacle of creation. We are very much the, the pinnacle of everything that has been created to this point. And only we have the image or likeness of God. Nothing else is described as having the image or likeness of God. Only we are told, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. Only we are told to subdue or rule over all the creatures. Now, again, it doesn't define what that is. And we might have sort of lots of thoughts that crowd in to think, oh, this is, I know exactly what rule means. But it doesn't really unpack what rule is. We do know that rule extends to all the other creatures at the end of verse 28. And we know that it extends to all the created plants in verse 29. I don't think we're told much more than that. But the point is this is a new moment in this chapter, in this unfolding story so that we can say there is now something new about how the world is ordered and organized. And if I can sort of picture it as God, and then uh, animals and plants uh, at the bottom of this kind of hierarchy, and we are now suddenly given this particular place in the middle. And it means that we relate to God in a way that no other created thing does. We have a particular status and position. And it's important to see it is about, you see, what, what we're being sort of told here in Genesis 1 is that we have a unique position, a VIP place in the created order. It gives us a different relationship to God. It gives us a different relationship to everything else that's been created as we subdue uh, rule over it. But do you see, we are unique 
in that way. We are special. Second, God's image, men and women both have it. Men and women both have it. Now again, this fits the pattern of creation that we've actually seen. So throughout Genesis 1, you might have noticed over the past couple of weeks as we've looked at it, God does a lot of separating or differentiating. It kind of, he marks off things and distinguishes things, particularly into pairs. And you can have some fun looking through. There are all sorts of pairs in creation, as the story is told, where uh, he identifies and separates and differentiates. So heaven and earth, um, night and day, water and sky. Uh, there's a whole series of pairs you can find that they kind of, he distinguishes. And we saw the pairs of days as well. There's this uh, separation. And then he causes them to work together. So night and day, I distinguish you. Now, now go and work together. Uh, move in that rhythm. Next week, we'll have a look at rest. We'll see that he's going to distinguish between work and rest. And he's going to say, now go and work together. Allow rest and work to inform each other. So it's no surprise then that when we get to here, he distinguishes, he separates, and marks out and says male and female, and then says, and now work together. Uh, Verse 27 goes out of its way to to be very clear that both men and women have God's image. Um, So uh, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And to be clear, it's not that they have half of it each. Each woman, each man bears God's image wholly in themselves. But it's also true that that process of separating, differentiating, and then working together operates here as well. So both are then given the task of filling the earth, and both are given the task of ruling and subduing. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Again, I don't think Genesis 1 is saying much more than this, even though, again, uh, lots of assumptions might crowd in at this point, uh, and we might want to bring things. There's a writer and a theologian called Andrew Wilson who I found very helpful. He pointed out there are two ways that we can kind of quickly go wrong with this and sort of things that we suddenly we, we run to or bring in. He says, on the one hand, we erase sex distinctions as if they don't matter at all, when clearly they do here. Male and female, he created them. On the other hand, we over-exaggerate sex distinctions when clearly they aren't over-exaggerated here. Do you see the kind of polarities? There are ways in which we can kind of, we quickly come to certain assumptions. We either erase all sex distinctions or we over-exaggerate sex distinctions. He says, these are his words, he says, we are humans first, males or females second. Again, I found that helpful thinking through. What is it we bring to this? But actually what we're told here, we're stated, it's, it's stated for us. We are unique. We are special. Men and women both have God's image. Then third, God's image. No one is without it. One of the things we've talked about over the past couple of weeks is the context into which Genesis 1 was written, an ancient Near Eastern context, so in the time in which it was written, um, uh, and the the kind of context and 
uh, other um, writings that would have been around at the time. The idea of an image of something, of someone, and even the idea of an image of God wouldn't have been totally new. They would have known that idea. But it would be the, the person or the someone who might have been thought of as in God's image would be a king or a monarch. If, you, if anyone was going to be described as being in God's image uh, at that time, it would have been a monarch, it would have been a king. You would have said, oh, yes, of course, the king, high, mighty, wonderful, reflects God's character and image, and, you know, we see, uh, you're so great, we see in you, um, and so on. Here in Genesis 1, every person is in God's image. Not just one person, the king, every human person is in God's image. And it means... One of the great things about this opening chapter, it tells us all humanity is royal. Is that a great thing? Um, you might have seen uh, the Duchess of Cambridge had her 40th birthday, I think it was uh, not too long ago. Uh, she, did a, a, she had a great uh, a photo shoot um, and you know, lots of nice pictures to make her look uh, fab on her 40th. Um, and you know, congratulations to her. Um, do you know what this means from Genesis 1? Uh, uh, it means that we'd all get a photo shoot on our birthday. Is that a nice idea? Some of you are thinking, no, it's not really a nice idea. <laughs> we'd all get, all humanity is royal. It would, not just for the special people, all humanity is royal. You'd all get a photo shoot. Look wonderful. It means that anyone that we meet bears God's image. No one is without it. And it means that all ethnicities, all colours of skin, all classes, all castes, all backgrounds, all bear the image of God. And I said earlier, it's about your status, about that VIP status, that position, not about some skill or ability. And so that means, can you see that, again, the, the good news, all levels of human ability or disability all are in the image of God. And it's the account, therefore, of all of humanity, not just uh, a part of it, not just um, the Western world. It's all of humanity. We are special. We are unique. We are um, uh, men and women both have God's image. No one is without it. And I hope, just stepping back for a second, this is the framework into which we might have conversations about race and racism, which we are starting as a church uh, this evening. Um, a few months ago, I had an um, opportunity to um, hear some stories um, and uh, in a sort of discussion with some others, hear the experiences of those uh, from some church family members here at Platts of their experience of, of race um, and, uh, and, and what has happened to them over the years. Um, and it was both illuminating and it's something we're going to uh, do this evening if you're able to come along and join us. Um, I'm going to play a short clip. Um, Lorraine, a church family member here, uh, was sharing her, something of her story and reflecting on that idea of what it means to be in the image of God. I became a Christian in mm. Manchester and this was the first church that I came to and one of the first things that someone said to me when I came here was what part of Africa are you from okay. um, you know one of the things that had attracted me to Christianity was that we were all together in this 
all the same, mm. all created in the image of God. Mm. And as soon as I walked into the door, someone was putting me in a box mm. that I didn't actually belong in. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not my identity. We are all made in God's image. And it means we all hold that unique place. Men, women, no one is without it. What do we take from this? I think there are a couple of things that it helps us see, um, just as we, as we land briefly. I know who I am. As I read Genesis 1, I'm, I'm encouraged I'm helped. I know who I am. Actually, I know my origin. Uh, There's a writer, um, uh, Francis Schaeffer, you may have come across him, uh, writing about this chapter of Genesis, wrote, if anything is a gift of God, this is it, knowing who you are. I said that question, who am I, kind of really operates at a deep level all the time, and particularly if you're young. And actually, it's a gift of God that we know who we are. And I can describe myself, and I used uh, that, uh, uh, that table earlier with the boxes and the different categories, and I can describe myself in lots of different ways, and they are, they are true, and they are a melting pot, and we are all individually made up of all those things, but they aren't ultimate. No one of those governs me in the way that I know I am made in God's image. I know who I am, and it also means I know who others are. Uh, And so we know who others are. As we meet one another, we know that we bear God's image. Even those people we may not like very much or get on very well with, each has the image of God. I know who I am. And, you know, it helps us begin to see who Jesus Christ is. If you're somebody here who's wondering about him, I begin to see who Jesus Christ is. Genesis 1 isn't actually, it's not just the beginning of our story. It's actually the beginning of the story of Jesus Christ. It's a long story. It's got the whole Bible to go. But it is the beginning of that story. And God has made us in his image. And that image, as we will see in the next few weeks, is marred. It is broken. It is fractured. And we'll see the implications of that. But it will raise this question, what is it we need? We need somebody who can come and restore that image in us. If only God could come himself as a human and begin to repair and restore the image we were meant to have. And it's the beginning of that long story. And it means that the incarnation, the thing we celebrate at Christmas, God coming as a human, which may seem like a fairy story to you, it may seem fantastical. Actually, can you see in the Bible's terms, it makes perfect sense. We had God's image and it is fractured and broken And the one thing we need most of all is someone who can come and be our image restorer. And that is who Jesus Christ is.